Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, Darren talks about his new wireless headphone adventures, and I tell you about my new motorcycle. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McCain. One thing that I know about Darren is that, like me, he's a computer guy. <laughs> of course. And he is, if he's not... Um, being roped downstairs to help with dinner or something like that. He's usually upstairs playing Battlefield or Borderlands or watching a movie or something on his computer. Something, yeah. One would say it might be an addiction. My wife probably would say that. Yeah. Well, since uh, you had your foot surgery, which is something we talked about in the last episode, um, I want to say one of the uh, the critical issues for you was getting up and down the stairs because your computer and actual bedroom is upstairs and... Uh, with a bum foot, you would have to make some crazy acrobatic steps to get up there. Yeah, one of the concessions to having my foot surgery, without going into any great details, was I knew I wasn't going to be able to get around very much. And in fact, I've got a really classy burgundy red scooter of sorts right here. Yeah, it's like kind of a mountain bike with really small wheels and a padded <laughs> seat that's really low. Yeah, and a little basket for carrying stuff. And you've probably seen these around, and i got to tell you, it is way better than crutches. I'm so glad I have it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I've been wedded to the silly thing, and it does not go up and down stairs. Well, no. And when it does, it's a lot of work because I can't put the weight on your foot. You just forget how much you need your foot, Dennis, honestly. <laughs> well, yeah, I still have both of them that work pretty well. So, <laughs> But they, my office is upstairs, as you mentioned. Yes. And in a desk, and it is very difficult to get in a place where even if I can crawl my sorry butt up the stairs and into the computer room where I could get comfortable because I have to keep my foot up and not let it bump anything. And dang it if I just don't have the best setup for that. It's great for gaming, great for overclocking, not great for feet. Yeah. So. So um, I, well, I came by to visit you once when uh, actually Destiny Beta was showing on Twitch. And yes. I came over after lunch and you were checking it out. and Trying to get a key. <laughs> yeah, trying to get a key. <laughs> And uh, you had kind of the, the amazing blanket fort sort of set up on the couch downstairs, and it kind of looked like you were living there. So I'm not embarrassed to say that I just gave up, basically, on being upstairs at all. <laughs> Can't take a shower anyway. Sorry about that. And uh, so I basically just lived downstairs, which is not a big deal. Got a nice entertainment center, mm -hmm. got video game machines, got a kitchen, refrigerator, you know, everything that you need to stay entertained except for a PC. Right. And being an enthusiast like me, you have a tendency to spend money on stuff? Like, Yeah. So first what I tried to do is I tried to make my Surface Pro tablet fill that little gap. So it's a little, Well, it's a little tablet. So. Right. And I had a lot of fun. You know, Steam does this really cool remote streaming thing where you can fire up a game. And you've done this. We've maybe talked about it a little bit. Hmm. And you can log on on your tablet and sort of play it remotely. Well, yeah, you can do that through the GeForce experience as well. Yeah. And I can tell you that it really is not that cool. <laughs> well, it's just not it, the same. Well, well, was it a lag issue or was it keyboard interface issue? Uh, it might have been the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to consider drugs. Too. So, yeah, I just found that the reaction time was sort of bad and that you know, the graphics weren't quite good enough. You know, I have a second generation Surface Pro, so it does all right, but the video card is the definite weak spot mm -hmm. and the resolution. So I found, not unlike we've talked about in the past, I'd be playing something like 
you know, Dungeon Defenders, for example, which is my usual time suck. And the image on the screen would be about four by six. <laughs> so I played a little bit of Civ Five. Okay. And then I found that really I was starting to gravitate towards using my fancy home entertainment center and my PlayStation 4. Well, I think I suggested that, actually. Yeah. So anyway, I went out and I got uh, Watch Dogs and also Infamous, Mm -hmm. uh, the Game of the Year edition, which is something that I've kind of toyed with in the past, to fill my time. And uh, how were you doing the audio? So that's a great comment. (laughs) And a dangerous comment. I know where you're going with this. Uh-huh. So my wife stayed home and worked with me. Bless her soul. She is an angel at taking care of me when she's not beating me up for, you know, not taking care of myself. Or throwing mice across the room. Let's not talk about that. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> we can cut that one. We don't always get along. But uh, so my wife's job requires her to be on the phone um, oh, pretty much all day. So she would sit downstairs so where she could keep an eye on me and use the phone. So if you can imagine, Dennis... About every 5, 10, 15 minutes, I've got to, hey, can you pause that? I've got to make a call. Okay, so you try to play without any sound, and we all know where that goes. Yeah, that, well, you can either pause it and be uh, bored while you listen to somebody talk on the phone, or, uh, yeah, turn it down and then not know what's going on. So bored time equals hardware shopping time, right? Oh, yeah, minimize the game and go to Newick. Exactly, or, you know, select deals or anywhere that you can find a deal. So the very first thing that I had to do, Dennis, was find some good headphones. Don't you have good headphones? I have really great headphones, but they're computer headphones. They're 7.1 headphones. And that doesn't work with the Surface? Well. Oh, wait, no. Surface is just stereo, isn't it? It is. And so there's not much cut for that. In fact, I hunted for better drivers and even an equalizer for my Surface. And the HD sound that's on it does not have any aftermarket drivers. So I was forced to go with just the default sound on it, which is, I think it's HD something sound. And it's not even really worth mentioning. I mean, it sounds fine, but it's not doing anything special. Well, it's kind of like audio on my Asus Slate. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the one redeeming factor of my Asus is that it has an NVIDIA GPU. And I could play COD 4 on it, if I could get COD 4 on it. Um... But yeah, the audio is just standard stereo unless you plug into the USB and then run through a USB sort of situation. So Dennis, we've talked about this a little bit before, but I have a really nice home theater system and a really nice TV that I'm sitting in front of playing games on my tablet, and that just won't do. So I can't listen to my stereo while my wife is working, so I bought some headphones. Now first, I should say I have some pretty good wireless headphones that I use at work. Those were... Sony ones, right? Yeah, they're Sony headphones, and if you're looking them up, they are... Oh, what's the model number there? They're, uh... They're... Oh, they're old. They're discontinued, and we're looking... They are Sony MDR-IF540RK wireless headphones, and they're rechargeable, and it is... Uh... They look like they're about, what, 150 each when they were new? Yeah, they were phenomenal headphones, and what is very special about these, and I would still recommend them if you could buy them, is they have built into them um, a subwoofer substitute. They're wireless, so mm-hmm. they charge themselves on the station, rechargeable, which is super cool because you don't have to worry about batteries. Yeah. But you can turn on the bass amplifier, and they vibrate like a like a butt kicker, right? So you don't have the bass, but you have the vibration, which, of course, simulates the bass for your ears. Oh, yeah. The, well... 
a lot of speaker manuf- or headphones manufacturers have been doing that. Uh, Skull mm-hmm. Candy did it with mm-hmm. a, a little module. Right. And it was one of those things where you could actually take it off of a headset that had it and then make a plug and plug it into another one and actually make it work. Yeah, and worth pursuing. So these were really expensive, but what they are is they're infrared and they're getting kind of old. The other nice thing about them is they have an on-off strap on them. So when you're wearing them, they run, and when you take them off, they don't. So it, mm. it resolves the battery. But what they don't have is very good range because they're IR. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be what? Um, yeah. Like 10 meters? Straight line meters? of sight. Yeah, it'll fill maybe the front room. But anything or anybody moving around in front of that base station and you're gone. Or even if you turn your head the wrong way, you get a little burst of static. Hmm. And it, it's not too bad. But the sound quality on them is really pretty awesome for an old setup. And they have some sort of, I don't even remember what they call it, but it's a, a switch that you can switch that amplifies the the vocal tracks too. Yeah, but, and they're 2.1. And you know that I'm kind of a snob for 7.1. But <laughs> uh, it is what it is. And it's great for listening to music. Yeah, yeah, well, they really are designed for somebody sitting at a computer, not moving around a lot. Exactly, and they're fantastic because they block the sound out great at work. So I brought them home and gave them a try, and, well, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I went out to see, well, what is the technology like these days? And, of course, I first looked at surround sound headphones mm-hmm. and 5.1 headphones specifically because, eh, wireless 7.1s are kind of like the white whale. And I couldn't find a set that looked good for under 200 bucks, with possible exception maybe of Sony's PlayStation headphones, which seem to get really mixed reviews. Yeah, let's get to the point. All right. What, so, did, you, what did you get? Come so, on, tell me. So tell me. I love, for listening to music, Sennheiser headphones. I think you are with the majority of them. I do, and I have some really great ones that I use for traveling, better than Bose. So I went out to see what they had, and I managed to find a really great set of Recently discontinued RS120 on-ear headphones, and there are uh, 926 megahertz wireless RF headphones, and they also charge on the cradle. Yeah, so the 926 megahertz, that's going to be on, like, uh, wireless telephone frequency, so you'll be able to get quite a bit of range out of that. Yeah, uh, they say about 300 meters, which seems a little generous, but I guess that's, you know, straight line, clear weather across water. You know how they do it. Oh, yeah. The only difference between them that... Style-wise, is they're on-ears instead of over-ears. And I prefer over-ears. Yeah, well, if you're going to wear them for a long time, you mm-hmm. need to be not on your ears. But the sound fidelity on these things is phenomenal. And the price is way cheap. These things, if you look, you can get them for under $100 all day long because eh, they're kind of last year's model. And everybody's trying to get rid of them. Exactly. And there is a, even an older pair that uses the same, same style. So you can get on-ear and over-ear versions. But I went with the on-ears because they were a little bit cheaper. And they look great. So I picked these things up for, yeah, I think I paid $89. Uh, 99 seems to be the going price. But they're on ears. They have phenomenal sound frequency, uh, great rechargeability, and the range is amazing. So I can tell you, I can wear these headphones anywhere in my house and still get a nice solid signal. Except for the one big Achilles heel of these things is because of that frequency they're on. If there is any interference at all, I get a squawk that reminds me of the old CB radio days. Oh, yeah. I... Loud and hard in your ear. And it's got a little uh, switch on the bass that lets you change your bass frequency a little bit. And then there's a tuning knob on the headphones. So the knobs on the headphones are volume, frequency tuning, and on and off. Very simple compared to my Sony's. Right. Now, 
I don't actually have a wireless headset, so I'm kind of curious. Um, do they have like double A's in the ear cups or is it like a battery pack, like in your mobile phone? Or how does that work? No, that's a great question. These are, uh, they have a, like a, yeah, it's like a cell phone power pack in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that you'd ever replace them because of the price on them. Maybe I'm a little snooty, but I'm hoping to get enough years out of it that I'll just buy another pair. And the Sonys that I have, I've had for oh, maybe eight years now. Oh, wow. And I've never had an issue other than the fact that they're starting to get a little haggard. Mm-hmm. The sound quality difference, like I said, is really phenomenal. I miss the bass vibration, but they sound so much more crisp that, it, honestly, it's it's a combination of going with a better brand with a higher build quality and just the increase in the technology. Well, and you got to think about kind of fidelity. Um, the bass response in a headset is dictated by the size of the driver and how much power can actually run that driver. Exactly by adding extra power to it to make it kind of vibrate, all you're doing is actually flubbing that subwoofer around to actually create this, the illusion that there's actually bass. And what that's going to do is lower the upper end of the spectrum, unless there's another speaker in there to actually fill in those frequencies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) By by getting a high quality headset, like what you got, mm -hmm. it's going to kind of remove that flubbing and actually kind of build in a lot more of the voice frequencies so much crisper across the range now it might have a little bit less range on the bottom end mm-hmm. or at least the illusion because let's face it vibration isn't really the same as a subwoofer no you know a good pair of wireless 7.1s would have the advantage but only really because a good pair of speakers and you got to watch for this guys when you buy surround sound speakers in your headphones that there really are speakers and it's not just simulating your surround sound oh yeah that's actually a good a good shopping tip. And that's something that you're not going to see in the specs. That's very true. And a lot of them will try to make you believe that there's no difference. And there's a lot more bulk in having the extra speakers for the front and the back on each side. And then a subwoofer driver in each headphone too. And that's what you're paying for. And that's why you can't get a really good pair of surround sound wireless headphones for less than probably three bills. And even then, the quality of the sound that you're getting is not going to be the same as a good pair of wired headphones for half the price. Well, no. And you got to think about the the amount of data that has to go over a wireless network to get to your headphones and then decoded. That's where all the cost is. That is very true. And the moral of the story also is that you really can find a great pair of name brand headphones like a pair of Sennheisers very cheaply by just going back a model year. If you can get a new pair that is an older model, you're going to get a phenomenal deal on a really great pair of headphones that have absolutely nothing wrong with them. Just nothing. I mean, the sound hasn't changed. It just hasn't. So the only difference is just maybe a bell and whistle here and there, but the drivers themselves are going to be just as good for maybe half the price. Yeah. Sounds like a good shopping tip. Thanks, Darren. couldn't help but notice, Dennis, that there's a new addition to the lab. In fact, it's very hard to miss because it's a beautiful new motorcycle. Yes, I bought a motorcycle back in May of this year. Now, some folks may be aware that when you first started out, we worked for Ninja Lane. Yes, the Ninja Lane podcast. That's, <laughs> uh, that was 10 years plus in the running. Mm-hmm. The name Ninja Lane came from my motorcycle at the time, which was a 92 Kawasaki Ninja ZX7. And that's not a bad motorcycle, but 
I don't see that motorcycle in the lab. In fact, I see two motorcycles now that I look. Yeah, well, I still have the uh, I still have the Ninja, and it's one of those bikes that I lusted over when I first saw it. Right you know, back in 1992, and you know it's one of those bikes that looks like a machine because it has these tubes that come off the fairing that go right. through the the tank, and that's the cold air intake for the airbox that's under under the tank. And to be fair, it's a pretty sexy bike, and it yeah. is. Red and white, like this site used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I custom painted it. Admittedly, you know, during college, it got knocked over a couple <laughs> of times. And insurance on a motorcycle for, you know, a sport bike like this, you can get kind of a big payout because those fairings are really expensive to replace. And right. luckily, I could get replacement fairings. So I got replacements. And I was like, you know, I don't like the green, white, and blue. So painted red and white and black. There's some black on there. Well, much history aside, yes. as you know, we are no longer Ninja Lane. We are Hardware Asylum, and you are no longer riding the Ninja. You are riding this monster, and it is a 2004 MV Agusta F4 SPR. Wow, that's a lot of text. Yeah, it's a lot of numbers. It's uh, basic, So what's it mean? Yeah. It's basically a super high-end Italian sport bike, but... The SPR is a kind of like a special race edition sort of bike. The one I have is one of 300 ever made. Wow. And it's in matte black. It's basically the pinnacle of the 750cc edition motorcycles from MV Agusta. So how did you end up with an Agusta motorcycle? Oh, that was a long, long pursuit. These bikes were introduced back in late 90s. The first editions were super limited edition and they were produced mostly for world superbike racing and anybody that bought one had to sign a waiver saying that they <laughs> wouldn't use it on the track because much like uh, nascar in the old days a company if they wanted to race in world superbike they needed to br- produce a certain amount of bikes to sell to the public but they didn't want um oversaturation on the racetrack you know and these bikes were off the line you know off of the manufacturing line were the same bikes that were going to the racers in the World Superbike Cup. Interesting. So, yeah, they That's it, a lot of bike then. Yeah, it's a it's a big high-end bike. It was uh the engine was co-designed by Ferrari and that was one reason that I really wow. liked it. Uh totally fuel injected. They started out with 750cc editions. The body and the frame was co-designed by Terberni, I think that's right. Basically, he was a lead designer for Kajiva. Oh, okay. So the MV Agusta name is one from long time ago, and then they kind of stopped making bikes, and then they started back again, and their first bike back was the F4, which is basically this bike. Well, I'm glad that you're going to post pictures with the podcast because it is difficult to describe how sexy this bike really is, and I don't even know that I'm going to attempt it when we can just settle <laughs> for a picture. But I know that this bike is also famous from its uh, movie career, too, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the motorcycle itself, um, a lot of people have dubbed it uh, motorcycle art. And that is that rings true on several different levels, and we can talk about that as well. But the bike looks amazing. That was one reason I like it. It has a, a single double-stacked headlight on the front. My Kawasaki has two side-by-side headlights, so uh-huh. the look of the bike is a little bit more sleek. Um, you sit really high on the back, so it has a higher riding position, which changes the center of gravity and helps you to corner and whatnot. The bike itself has been featured in several 
movies. Uh, Angelina Jolie rode one in Gone in 60 Seconds. Nice. Vin Diesel rode one in the uh, original Triple X. Oh, wow. And Will Smith rode one, actually, in the matte black finish in iRobot. So there you go. Same bike in iRobot. And that's a pretty high recommend. Yeah. it's um, The problem is these this particular edition was, you know, one of 300. I would say less than 50 of them got imported into the U.S. Very rare. Yeah. So it's extremely rare. Uh, it's actually one of those bikes that um, you're looking around and trying to find one for a really long time. I mean, one of the original F4s, the 750s, you can't even buy some of the original ones that were... You know, the silver and red, um, which is actually the standard color for the F4. So this has been a long pursuit for you? Yep. Ever since I first saw it in Sport Rider magazine, I'd say, I really want one of these bikes. Um, unfortunately, it was a bit cost prohibitive. You know, they, at they least started initially. at around twenty five grand, which is not uh, cheap, especially for a college student. I got this one for considerably less 10 years old <laughs> right but, but not a lot of miles on it if i recall no it only had 2000 miles on it so the the history of it was um it had two previous owners the original owner bought it he rode it around for about a year and then um i'm guessing he had like financial problems and he couldn't make the payments so he sold it to a uh I guess a self-proclaimed motorcycle collector because okay. this guy had 25 bikes in his garage. Wow. And when he sold it, after he had it for eight years or so, he sold it to um, the dealership in Illinois that I bought it from saying, you know, I just have to get rid of a bike and this is the one. So, yeah, 2,000 miles. Each one of the owners put about 1,000 miles on it. And since I've had it, I've put like maybe 300 miles on it. So, you know, it's... um I bought it to ride. I didn't buy it to just put it in a collection. If I wanted to, I could actually drain all the fluids, button it up, clean it up, put it in a garage somewhere, and then save it for 10 years and probably double my money just because it's a low-mileage bike. It's a rare bike. But again, you know, I bought it to ride. I didn't buy it to just kind of look at. Well, here at Hardware Asylum, we're all about performance. So how does it perform? It performs... Uh, admirably there you um, go. <laughs> the uh, as i mentioned this is the the pinnacle 750 edition from mv agusta all of them had they followed the same kind of engine design that ferrari helped them set up originally these spr editions were designed for you know racers to have like a track bike and then a street bike so the they raised the rpm limit they ported and polished the cylinder head they increased the compression slightly it also has a close ratio gearbox, which if you don't know what that means, that is basically a very tall first gear. And then the next five gears are the ratio is very, very small. So I could go from first into fifth and maybe only drop 2000 RPM on the engine. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's actually really hard to drive in town because I could drive around in first gear if I really wanted to rev the engine up, but you know, I'm trying to save on gas and <laughs> save on heat and stuff like that. So I ride along and then boom, 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 boom. And I'm in fourth gear and I'm just kind of putting along. Well, I go down two gears to try to pass somebody and that's really not enough. got to go down another one. And it's a bit different than riding just a regular street bike with a normal gearbox that actually has a range in between first and second and third and so on and so forth. Well, but any plans to get it on the track? 
not so much. I um, I wanted to do track stuff back in my college days, but I've gotten to the point where you know I'm just in, t- in for the joy, not so much for <laughs> the thrill. This bike is one of those that you take into the mountains and you kind of ride it on the weekends. It's not a go to light to light. It doesn't have the gearbox for it. Oh, so. a bit of a canyon carver. Yep, and that's what I enjoy to doing. And as you know, here in Idaho, there's quite a few canyon roads that you can ride on. And there's definite rides that um, a lot of motorcycles around here know. It's like the, you can make the Idaho City Loop, you can make the Banks Loop, you can make the Emmett Loop. Right. And those are all within an hour, two hours of where we live. So Beautiful Boise is great for motorcycles when yeah. the weather's right. Yeah. You mentioned that, uh, you know, at Hardware Asylum, we like high-end hardware. And while the SPR motorcycle is actually, you know, a very limited edition, rare motorcycle, I'm going to say it's, you know, in the computer world, it's like trying to find the kingpin edition of the 750 tie. <laughs> That's a good comparison. Tie. Or like some of the black edition ROG boards. You know, it's it's one of those rare pieces of hardware that it's been manipulated slightly. It's really no better or no worse than what you could buy off the shelf, but in the right hands, it will actually outperform whatever you could buy. Excellent. Well, the good news is if you can't find one of these bikes for yourself, you probably could still afford insurance on Dennis, and uh, <laughs> that might be a good plan. <laughs> oh, yes. That was, that's the joke, right? Yeah, you know, I uh, <laughs> take a life insurance policy on me and just kind of hedge your bets on whether or not I'll fall down, right? Well, there you go. No longer Ninja Lane but still racing bikes, Mm -hmm. just like everyone out there. We all have our different hobbies, but in the end, it's all about the enthusiasts. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on HardwareAsylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS, now available on iTunes. Join us on Facebook or follow us on Google. This has been an Ninja Lane production, copyright 2014. Thanks for listening.